I'm hopeful that results such as this one can really help us understand that we are really the beginning of a new era in the treatment for ALS. Hello to all and welcome to this week's episode of Connecting ALS. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, and I'm sharing the line with my co-host on the East Coast, Jeremy Holden. Hello to you, sir. Hey, Mike. How are you doing this week? Doing well, thanks. Uh, the week's going quickly and we had the chance to follow up on another exciting bit of news in the ALS research world after results from the collaborative open label extension study of AMX35 were published late last week. Yeah, that's right. And uh, big news this morning, we now have surpassed 50,000 signatures on the petition that the ALS Association launched in collaboration with IMALS, calling on Amelix and the FDA to do whatever needs to be done to get AMX35 made available to people with ALS as quickly as possible. And Mike, you talked about our discussion that we're bringing to listeners this week, that open label extension study that you talked about, really promising results, looking specifically at the survivability data of people who took AMX35. That's right. Dr. Sabrina Paganoni was the principal investigator on the Centaur study, which charted trial participant progress in relation to the drug. And as we're about to hear from her, the findings were significant. And you just mentioned the petition with more than 50,000 signatures now calling on the FDA to expedite access to AMX35. Dr. Paganoni does a great job explaining why these results are a meaningful step forward for really all of ALS research. Of course, she'll say it much more eloquently than we just did. So let's listen back to our conversation with Dr. Paganoni now. We're on the phone today with Dr. Sabrina Paganoni, physician scientist at the Healy Center for ALS and the principal investigator for the Centaur trial we'll be discussing on this episode. Thanks for being with us today, doctor. Thank you for having me. So we wanted to speak with you about the recent publication of the collaborative open-label extension study of the Amelix Pharmaceuticals drug AMX35 and some of the results coming back from that. But Let's start at the beginning for some of our less scientifically inclined listeners, and, and mainly for Jeremy and I's sake, because we're in way over our heads on the science side. What exactly is an open-label study, and what role can it play in drug development and approval? Thank you, Mike. This is a great question. It's a relatively new concept. So in a typical placebo-controlled drug trials, participants are assigned to either active drug or placebo, and when the trial is over, it's over. Instead, when you have an open label extension like we had in Centaur, that means that at the end of the placebo-controlled period, every patient who completed the trial, whether they previously received active drug or placebo, is given the option to receive active drug long-term. The reason open label extensions are important is that they give us an opportunity to measure the long-term impact of a drug. For example, its effects on survival, as well as long-term safety. And because open-label extensions help us understand drugs better, the evidence that they give us can help facilitate approval. So what then did we learn from this open-label extension? We can share in the show notes the information from the findings that were published last week, but walk us through what we learned. As the principal investigator, what's the main takeaway? So the patients who participated in this trial and were assigned to AMX35 lived an average of 6.5 months longer than patients who were on placebo. 
So these results provide additional substantial evidence to support AMX35 for the treatment of ALS. As you may remember, in a previous publication in September, we reported that during the placebo control period, patients retained more physical functions over a six-month period. So they retained uh, more abilities to do activities of daily living, such as the ability to walk, talk, and swallow. Now, the more recent paper, the one that was published last week, reports the results of our long-term follow-up for the same participants. So we followed the same 137 participants that participated in center. We followed them up for up to three, three years. And as I said in the beginning, patients who were assigned to AMX 35 on average, lived 6.5 months longer. That's obviously statistically relevant and pretty exciting news on uh, the drug development and research side. Can you give us a little bit more information about the breakdown of the study? More specifically, how many patients uh, were enrolled in the study and, and how many were receiving the drug versus the placebo? Absolutely. CENTAR was a placebo-controlled trial that was followed by a long-term open-label extension. We enrolled 137 participants. We randomly assigned them two-to-one active to placebo, which means that we had twice as many people on active drug as on placebo. So specifically, we had 89 participants on AMX 35 and 48 on placebo. These participants were followed for six months in the placebo-controlled period. And over this period, participants were given either active drug or placebo, And we compared these two groups with respect to their physical functions. Then when participants completed six months of placebo-controlled treatment, they were given the option to take the active drug long-term as part of the open-label extension. So we followed them up for three years, up to three years, to see if the treatment with the active drug resulted in longer survival. So in other words, everybody who chose to participate in the open-label extension received AMX35, right? The placebo control was in the earlier phase of the study, testing the uh, motor function, open-label extension, everybody who participated received AMX35. Do I have that right? That's correct. Now, I should point out, to be more accurate, that the people who were offered the open-label extension are the ones who completed six months of placebo-controlled trial follow-up. Mm-hmm. So uh, if people stopped earlier, they didn't complete the study and therefore they couldn't go on the open label extension. But for the people who completed the study, which was exactly 98 people in total, the vast majority of them, 90 to be uh, specific, uh, they opted in. So of the 98 people who had the opportunity to go on active drug long-term, 90 of them uh, decided to do so. Thank you for that point of clarification. Now, I'd like to put these findings in context. We've obviously heard a lot of excitement, both earlier, the September study when that came out. Undoubtedly, people are excited about the survivability data that we're talking about with the open-label extension. Where are we now? What impact does this have on the landscape of ALS research, uh, the search for treatments, what's available today, and and what this says about treatments that are maybe coming down the pipeline? Um, Does this change kind of where we are in the search for treatments and a cure? Yeah, I think this is an important step forward. So the placebo-controlled and the open-label studies as part of the center program that we just reported show that treatment with AMX35 is associated with longer retention of physical functions and also with longer survival. 
And we also reported that the drug overall is safe and well tolerated. Now, let me be clear, this drug is not a cure for ALS. It does not stop ALS. It does not reverse ALS. However, it is certainly a significant step in the right direction. So it means that we are making progress in our fight against ALS. And while we still have a lot more work to do to develop more treatments, today's news is certainly a reason for hope. Now, another uh, reason why we're excited about the results is that with each success, we isolate critical components that keep the nerve cells functioning properly. So the drug AMX35 protects against nerve degeneration by using a combination of two medications that each target a different cell component to keep the nerve functioning properly. And these two products are different from the ones that are already FDA approved. Uh, as you know, uh, there's two drugs that are FDA approved for the treatment of ALS, Riluzol and Edarvon, and they target different components of the nerve cell. So as we find positive results for, from this trial, you know, we, we learn more about the critical components of the cell that we need to target to improve outcomes for ALS. I also want to be clear that this particular drug, AMX35, was taken on top of standard of care treatment. So essentially, the majority of participants in the trial were already taking either Riluzol or a Daravon or both. So this means that the results are on top of what uh, sort of the disease was based on, on, on standard care treatment. So what I think this means, and, and the way I think this is going to impact both care and clinical trials moving forward, is that we're probably looking at a combination of treatments for maximal effect to fight ALS. And so this, again, tells us something that perhaps is not so surprising if you look at other complex diseases. So if you look at cancer, if you look at HIV or even cardiology, we know that it's combination treatment that works. In other words, uh, for many complex diseases like cancer or HIV, the first few drugs that are developed do not completely stop the disease, but they represent progress. And so when we see progress, it means that now, we are building on previous research. It means we are making a dent. We are starting to understand the disease more. And then we can continue to build based on, on these initial results. So I think, again, we still have a lot more work to do, but it's certainly a hopeful day. And I think this is the beginning of a new era in the discovery of new treatments for ALS. Thank you for framing it that way, doctor. As you said, it's not a cure, but it is progress and it is hope. And for a population that desperately needs that hope and the notion that we're moving forward in search for meaningful treatments for the disease, that's huge. That's incredible news. And, and thanks for explaining it in that way. I'd like to ask you about how this study itself kind of came to be because this was a collaboration, correct, between academia and industry with some involvement on the nonprofit side. Are these sort of collaborations common and how important are they in, in pushing science like this forward? Yeah, I think this is a, a very important topic and really shows how the field of ALS is ahead of the game because it's a field that's very collaborative. So this particular trial is the result of an extraordinary collaboration between industry, academia and foundations and is a great example of what we can accomplish when all of us work together for the same mission. So specifically, the trial was a collaboration between the Helion AMG Center for ALS at MGH, Amelix Pharmaceuticals that manufactures the drug, other academic partners, such as many sites of the NEALS Consortium or Northeast ALS Consortium, 
Uh, we worked with many uh, amazing academic collaborators from both the MGH Biostatistics Center and the Bayern Neurological Institute. And we also worked with foundations such as the ALS Association and ALS Finding a Cure that supported the initial funding for this project. So I think really this is an amazing example of how the field of ALS is a collaborative field where if everyone contributes, experts, scientists, industry, and the patient community, uh, as well as foundations such as the ALS Association, we can really make progress and accomplish something important. Thank you, Dr. Paganoni, for walking us through kind of where we are and, and the current landscape. You know, I'm curious about the future and, and, and where we go from here. You spoke about this being a kind of promising development. Where do you find hope that this moves us forward? And I guess, where does the research go from here? As a researcher, I find the data from the trial very compelling. But as a physician and a person who speaks to patients and families about ALS and what it looks like, I'm hopeful that results such as this one can really help us understand that we are really the beginning of a new era in the treatment for ALS. I can talk to patients with more hope. I know it's a hopeful day. We are making progress. We are testing more drugs. The ALS community is very collaborative, very engaged. We're testing more investigational products at a faster pace. We have many trials that are up and running. So I think there's going to be even more progress over the next few months or years. So I, I would invite people with ALS and their families to connect with their local ALS clinics and academic centers and consider participating in research and clinical trials. Because again, together, I think we can make a lot, of, a lot more progress over the next few months and years. So thank you for this opportunity and for all your advocacy and for spreading awareness about the disease and about the research. Well, thank you again, Dr. Sabrina Paganoni, for your time and insight on this important step forward in the world of ALS research. It was nice talking to you. Thank you. Well, thank you again to Dr. Sabrina Paganoni for that insightful look into the latest findings out of the AMX35 trials. Readers can find that piece where she served as the principal investigator in the October edition of Muscle and Nerve. And of course, we will share uh, summaries of those findings in the show notes, along with the petition that we talked about at the top of the hour, where listeners can join the call for FDA and Amelix to make AMX35 available as quickly as possible. Please do check out those links that Jeremy just mentioned for more information. And while you're at it, you can pop over to connectingals.org and subscribe to the show or click that same button on your favorite podcast service. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter where you'll be notified anytime new content drops. That's all for this week. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening and we'll connect with you again soon. Thank you.